Hey, this is Jeff McLaughlin with Life After PTSD, and you are listening to our 100th episode celebration. When we launched the show on December 30th, 2018, we had no idea that we would ever get to 100th episode. While we've barely scratched the surface of our potential, it's been an incredible ride nonetheless. Without stories, we don't have a show, and we decided that the best way to celebrate our journey would be to bring back some of the favorite stories and let the audience see that they are still thriving. We're serious about our belief that PTSD is not an illness, but rather an injury that can heal, and these stories are the proof. Since we had several good ones we wanted to reconnect with, we decided to make this a two-part episode. Today, you're going to hear from Sean and Cynthia George from episode 33, coming to you from the U.S. Virgin Islands, followed by Danny Devine from episode 62, calling in from Canada, and finally from Todd and Mary Millsaps from episode 11, calling in from North Carolina. On part two next week, you'll hear Ali Sullivan from episodes 24 and 27, calling in from Parkland, Florida, Luke Baker from episode 52, calling in from Ontario, and finally Dakota from episode 68, calling in from the Bahamas. Thank you for supporting us through 100 episodes, and here's to 100 more. Imagine a world in which post-traumatic stress no longer robs from millions who suffer. You don't want to get help because you're embarrassed. You don't want to tell people the dark stuff that you've went through. That stigmatism of you can't talk to people is so true. Post-traumatic stress is not a disorder. It's an injury that can be healed quickly so that those who suffer get back to thriving in their families, communities, and mission. And I said, I yeah. don't want to, I, I can't, I don't want to live this trauma again. Yeah. And he goes, yeah. you don't have to. Yeah. And I said, yeah. what? The experts, they forgot to tell me I can heal. I didn't know that I can get rid of PTSD. Each week, we tell a skeptical world what is possible with stories of those who have successfully cured their trauma. I just remember being able to stand by the water and look up at the sky and hear the noises, and I didn't think they were gunshots. I was like, those are Disney fireworks. I don't even know what to imagine for myself now, my future, because I have one. This is Life After PTSD. On today's episode, we get to reminisce. It's been an incredible journey to 100 episodes, a milestone I don't think any of us ever thought that we were going to get to. My name is Jeff McLaughlin, your host here on Life After PTSD, and joining me for the start of this episode, my good friends, Alan Kanurva of Inspired Outcomes in Guelph, Ontario, and of course, Carrie Russo, First Orlando Counseling here in Orlando. What's up, guys? How are you doing tonight? Great. Hey, Jeff, how are you? Alan, I am doing well, man. I'm doing well. So, guys, a uh, bit of a milestone on this episode. 100 episodes? Guys, it's going to be an incredible night. We get the opportunity to talk to some old friends and uh, think there's no better way, you know, th- there's no entertainment for us. There's no value in us of just sitting around reminiscing for an entire hour. I think for us, we do this and our, our whole motivation for getting started on this show and why it's continued has been the stories of people overcoming their trauma and their PTSD and getting to tell those stories and holding space for people that are out there that need to hear those stories. And uh, I don't know, I wanted to start out before we welcome some of those guests and just maybe ask some of you, um, you know, Alan, Carrie, just tell me favorite memory, favorite episode, favorite part of doing, you know, all of these that we've done over the last almost two years now, year and a half, two years. Uh, is, there a, is there a memory that stands up for you guys? My favorite moment, <laughs> Jeff, is uh, doing the podcast with Monica from Norway. So when a person hears Life After PTSD podcast and she's so motivated she just had emerged from a prolonged exposure six weeks in prolonged exposure driving home to her fjord in norway and she hears life after ptsd podcast she books an airplane ticket flies to toronto and spends a week with us and we do the podcast on the friday i think that that's a for me that's a pivotal moment the system fails so many people when it's failed you to the point where you'll buy a bloody airplane ticket from from norway to here that says a lot about the work that needs to be done in the system and that when people are committed, they'll do whatever they have to do to get healed. 
That's such a good word, Alan. I, I remember just in disbelief hearing you say, yeah, this girl calls from Norway. I'm like, are you kidding me? Is this a joke, right? I can't even get my mom listen to the show. And she was not the only one internationally reaching out. Carrie, what about, what about you? Sarah, is there a, actually, special? you know, my, I, I just, as I'm sitting here, I'm thinking one of my favorites was Sean's comment, flying to Orlando and, and being in total disbelief. What kind of therapy is this? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then by the, and, and I have hundreds of traumas. Are you kidding me? There's no way I'm going to be able to do this. And <laughs> Cynthia saying, um, I don't know. We're, we just have to get through this week. We just have, we're, we're here. We have to get through it. There's no way it's going to work, but we have to get through it. And then at the end of the week, sitting there talking and doing the podcast and you saying, I don't even know what PTSD is. You're like, it's not even phasing me anymore. So cool. Guys, I'm going to tell you my favorite real quick. And it was using Twitter. I don't even use our Twitter account anymore, but I was using Twitter in March of 2019, I think, and um, had seen an article that uh, one Kim Krawcheck, uh, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School teacher, had written that was that was quite inflammatory, quite frankly. And I like when people are like bucking up against the system and everything. And so she was just barking. She was going after the system and how the institution had failed uh, in so many ways and was continuing to fail the students of that high school. And so, you know, I had uh, I had her Twitter account and I sent her a tweet. And like in 10 minutes, I remember Carrie was it, you know, she calls me on my she, cell phone. <laughs> and, I'm like, and you interrupted. No, remember, do you remember what I was doing though? Yeah. I was in the session with Elise. Yeah. Yeah. I did I a HIPAA violation that day and podcast. I walked right in. I'm like, you're done. All right. This session is over because I got the, t- <laughs> the teacher on the line here. No, they talked and they even talked about it. It was so fun. Yeah. So cool. About that. And, and it started a journey for us. What? A couple days later, we did a show with Kim, got to do um, a lot more work down in the Coral Springs Parkland area and uh, even have one of the students, Ali Sullivan's going to be on the show tonight and uh, get to hear from her story. But just seeing, you know, making those kinds of connections. I, th- I think, you know, what we're hearing here is connections, guys, as I'm hearing these favorite memories. And, uh, you know, when you just when you reach out, you put yourself out there, you, you take sort of a leap of faith and do this work. Doors have opened, which has been incredibly cool. And, uh, and I'm, I'm looking I have the privilege of being able to look at sort of this checkerboard screen or it's like the Hollywood squares. Some of the kids won't even know what that is, but I get to look at these squares and see all of these wonderful faces of people who, you know, are part of that journey. And so guys, we're going to, we're going to share some of them tonight because every one of them was on a previous episode or multiple of life after PTSD and they told their story. And Alan and Carrie, I think there's, there's great skepticism out there that says, okay, look, anybody can sort of, you know, platform a story we want to know where these people are. In fact, we want to know that, right? We hear stories sometimes, the three of us, and want to know, did that really work? Was that modality really good? You know, that story of healing that we heard maybe on another show or on a YouTube channel or something, we want to know where are those people now? And I, I, I think that there's no better way than to celebrate the work that we've been doing other than to say, hey, here's here's those stories. Here they are again. They're still around. They're still thriving. And uh, we're going to tell those stories tonight. Just, just before you go yeah. there, Jeff, I'd like to jump in because as Carrie was talking, I'm looking at the Hollywood Squares board here and so many sites are dedicated to veterans or dedicated to police or dedicated to somebody who wears a uniform. But when I look at the board in front of me, yeah, you know, Sean, you and, you and I served, but there, there's young students here who are just going to school that day. Right. And, um, and uh, Luke was attacked and there, everybody has a story. And I, I think the trauma is so pervasive that we need to address, we need to be respectful of the number of people who are traumatized every day, right? That, that, and, and live um, silently with their trauma. 
that, that whose lives are just coming unrailed and they don't, there isn't, they don't believe there's a solution because the system tells them there isn't. They tell them they're right, Danny, they're just going to have to cope. You're just going to have to suck it up. Um, and Todd, you know, guys like Todd who are in their fifties who are traumatized and living with it for 40, 33 years quietly in the background. And I think that, the, that we, you know, life after PTSD has done a really good message of, of, of going across all the spectrum, whether it's birth trauma, car accident trauma, high school shootings, beatings, uh, military police, firefighters, first responders, EMS weather, people, mothers. Yeah. I said weather, 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 weather. Too, yeah. Hurricane. Mm -hmm. And so, so that's, I think, um, I think that's an important message that we get out that, that trauma affects just tens and tens of millions of people. And most of them suffer in silence. Hey, Alan, before, um, before we bring on that first guest and tell that uh, sort of revisit the first story, I know that you're passionate and I know that you're going to close out this episode this way, but I want you to open up this thing too, and just share a message out there to somebody that's listening right away, you know, who's just, they're traumatized. They're still dealing with, uh, you know, uh, an event, uh, whatever they're suffering with. What would you say to that person right now? Well, I, I'd say that you know how that you're struggling with, with trauma, post-traumatic stress. And, and the biggest problem is that the medical industry, the system tells us that it's impossible or very difficult to heal. And you and I both know that when we have trauma, we're not doing what we're meant to do. Our, we suffer, our families suffer, our loved ones suffer, and the community around us suffers. And, and I'd ask people just to imagine a world where they can be healed, right, in a week. There are people sitting on this call now that they know that they've suffered for decades. They'd be healed for weeks. So imagine that, that you, you, you take a brave step and a week later, you're free of your trauma. And that's the world we live in today. That research is not refutable. It's solid. What we do is solid. And the people on the, on the call here, some of them are two years since we worked together. Some of them are six months and they're, they're living again without trauma. So cool. All right, guys, you ready to hear from him? Sean and Cynthia coming from the islands, down from the Virgin Islands. It was a long time ago. It was at least a year that we worked with you, maybe a year and a half, somewhere in that range. Sean, of course, you served, and thank you again for your service. And you guys have uh, have a pretty cool story. I remember you guys flew up from the Virgin Islands. Carrie mentioned earlier in the episode that she loved the fact that you came in just thinking you had this whole list of traumas, which you did, but uh, walked out. And I just remember the day that we recorded your episode, and I think it was the, the last day right before you guys left. And uh, I was looking at a guy that cleared a few things, but man, that list had gone away. You know, he kind of had that, what we call that puppy dog look that's going, man, where did that thing, what was that thing? What was that all about? So welcome back guys. And uh, you know, tell, first of all, tell the audience where you are, you're calling in from. So we are calling from St. Croix in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Guys, tell me, tell the audience what your connection was. You came and worked at First Orlando Counseling um, with, uh, with Carrie and Jim. Jen. And so what was the connection to get you guys to First Orlando Counseling in the first place? And uh, just share with us in brief what that was all about. Um, so we, uh, we had, both of us had, uh, dealt with PTSD, um, me, uh, from childhood, him from his years in the military in some childhood. Um, uh, we had an event, a big event that caused me to reach out to a childhood friend who then put us in touch with Orlando counseling. And, um, at that point we were, uh, at the end of our ropes, we had tried everything and Sean pretty much said, he'll do whatever. We just have to handle this. So, 
I put him and me on a plane. He had no idea what he was getting into. <laughs> and when Dan met us, uh, I was in the back seat. Sean was in the front with him. And uh, Dan said, well, you know, you know what we're going to be doing. And I said, I really haven't explained it to him because honestly, it sounds kind of crazy. And so Dan proceeded to tell Sean how we were going to clear all these traumas that we've dealt with for decades. And it was all going to be great in a couple of days. And Sean looked at him and you're going to have to use your bleeping because he said, if this works, I'll tattoo your logo on my ass. So uh, I just, in my head, in the back, uh, I'm in the back of the, the car Googling tickets for uh, Universal because I'm thinking I'm going to have to give him something to do because he's going to he's gonna kill me for putting him in this. And, um, you know, after the first day, we, we... Which you did end up going to Universal or Disney, right? We did. Yeah, we did. We did, yeah. <laughs> um, but we ended up, uh, you know, after the first day, we really could not understand what was going on. And we just kept kind of looking at each other. And we we're like, do you, can you, can you, are you feeling that? Are you, do you understand what's going on? And we just, um, by the end of the week, we, our minds were blown. How are you guys doing now? All right. It's been a while. How are you doing now? As corny as the, uh, the, the treatment sounds, it's going to be even more cornier to tell how good the treatment does after you're done with it. Um, my, my kids, uh, family members, uh, see the 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 difference uh in me and compared to what it was like years and years after i, I got out it's night and day um to you know talk about uh driving and, and road rage and and cynthia could probably go on and on about all the other stuff but uh yeah it's it's, it's changed my life for the better yeah and uh and not just for me but everybody else that's around me can see that uh and my kids can feel that uh, difference. That's awesome. And the dad heart in me just, just awakened. Cynthia, I remember you saying in that episode, you talked about how everybody looked at you guys and you had your, your perfect little picket fence. This is back before you had moved down to the Virgin Islands and all that good stuff. And just all every, by appearances, like everything looked, you know, everything looked right. And yet like the implication being there was just trouble on the inside, right? How are you guys, how would you say what's, what's, what's mama and wife say about the state of the family now? And, and with your kids and everything, like where, and certainly your marriage, like where are you at? Where's your morale right now? Um, absolutely higher than we could have ever expected. Um, we've had, we have not had an easy year between, um, you know, we're down here kind of isolated by ourselves. Our family is all in the States. Yeah. Um, COVID shut us down for eight weeks. Um, his father passed um, in this past year. So all of these things are happening and normally it would be um, detrimental it, it, it would it would slam us and um you know he, we're able to talk through things we're able to um move on past it instead of dwelling on it we're able to handle the situation and go forward um as a wife it the appreciation i have for him to you know be able to say hey you know i'm pretty ticked off right now and talk about why because every you're still going to have bad days you're still going to have things come up you're still going to get mad you're still going to get disappointed that's real life but to be able to look at each other and instead of yelling or instead of shutting someone out that you say you know you just kind of tick me off let's talk about it or you know i you know me coming to him being scared about something yeah. um it's been absolutely beautiful to have 
what we knew we had all along, but we took all the garbage that was that, that kept, you know, getting in between us. We took that garbage away to where we could absolutely just thrive. And I think that's the biggest thing is thriving because um, we were surviving. We, we did, we did good. Um, and, and we looked great in a picture, but now, you know, even in the middle of all of this mess that's going on, we're good. We're thriving. Carrie, tell me about the first time you saw these two walk in. Do you, do you guys remember the the leg going? Sean's yeah. leg like uh, all the time. And you're like I and I can remember halfway through the first day or the second day, you said like, "Oh, just calm down." Like a little restless leg, right? Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, I was nervous and uncomfortable because I had never been with him and his leg not bounce and him not like his him not being irritable made me uncomfortable <laughs> sean we um we're, we're so again so appreciative of of your service and uh you know you guys are are certainly a reminder to us of, of the job that that this country owes our veterans our heroes for taking care of us and uh you know your story among all of these, of course, just makes this job worth it. I mean, it makes everything that we're doing here worth it because, you know, some of us are called to serve, some don't, right, in, in terms of putting on that uniform. and But if you're not serving in the uniform, we have a responsibility to serve those who are serving in uniform. And I think that, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's such a, just getting to know you guys and exactly. meet you is, you know... Yeah. Uh, maybe a quick word you might say to somebody out there, maybe uh, speaking from the veteran side of things. I know that that's, you know, we're, we're talking to a family here, but, but Sean, you know, would you mind speaking to a vet and just giving them a word of hope real quick? And, and then we'll move on to our next guest. What do you think, man? Well, uh, I will give you a little bit more than probably asked for about it. Cause um, the whole thing about all this in my past, trying to deal with uh, certain um, issues which I know there's people out there that are facing a lot more uh, harder issues than what I had to deal with. Uh, they went through a lot more than what I deal with or dealt with. But uh, the problem that I had most of the time with other, I don't know if I want to say conventional therapies, was the fact that you had to relive the moment over and over and over again. Yeah. And that's what really aggravated me was I would leave uh, more angry, um, and then because I was angry, then that just dominoed effect my whole personal life and then everybody that was around me. Uh, so for a quick uh, word to any other veterans out there, the one thing that I was so much uh, love about this program, you don't have to relive, like voice it out and go through the whole uh, trauma over and over again. Um, and that sounds so weird on the outside. Uh, it's almost like telling someone that's blind, you know, how to see. And it sounds so awkward. But that's the biggest thing that I got was that I did not have to relive all this. And it seemed to make that uh, healing process uh, so much easier. I hope that's a word of encouragement. There are so many vets out there that that is uh an understandable fear and even frustration, all right, because they've experienced, um, you know, exposure treatment and, and things like that. And you are absolutely correct, man. Non-contextual, non-re-exposure, you know, just non-re-traumatizing. And I, that's that's why I love seeing this happen for guys like you that, uh, you know, it's not like, you know, you've, you've experienced these horrific things already anyway, and then we throw you back into it. Come on, man, that's just unethical, you know, in my opinion, especially knowing what we know now. And Kenerva, I know you got a, a, a word or two to say about that, man, right? Absolutely. And, and thank you, Sean, for sharing that. And that, that's a common 
comment by military members who have been put into prolonged exposure or repetitive sessions every two to four weeks, and also for people who just end up in regular talk therapy. And we actually bumped into, when we were doing the research into NLP-based interventions, we actually a couple times ran into people who had been so traumatized through therapy, they couldn't come in the therapist's room. They would literally have full emotional breakdowns coming into the room. And uh, the one case was quite fascinating. The person handling, the person delivering the therapy had to take them out in the garden and just walk with them to get, and got in, a, in, a, in rapport, just walking and talking. And they did the therapy literally on the move. And once they cleared the first one, then the person could come into the actual, into the office. But yeah, he would not open, he would not step across the threshold of the office. He just started having a breakdown. So thank you for sharing that. That is, that is one of the most important things about this, this treatment and makes it different. All right, guys, that's a great start to things. So why don't we take a little breather here, give the listeners a break. We'll reset some things. When we come back, we're going to hear from Danny Devine. We're going to hear from Todd Millsaps. The show's just going to get better and better. You're listening to Life After PTSD. Hey, Life After PTSD listeners. We're glad that you love other stories of healing, but what about you? First Orlando Counseling is the premier trauma therapy center in Central Florida with a full staff of trained clinicians ready to help you clear your trauma without re-traumatization. Childhood abuse, relationship abuse, a traumatic car accident, birth trauma, first responder or military trauma, even phobias. You don't have to live like this. It's time for you to heal. Schedule a consultation today by visiting firstorlandocounseling.com or call 407-514-4470. It's that easy. Here we are back with Life After PTSD celebrating 100 episodes. And man, I'm just ready to jump right back in. Alan, what do you think about uh, maybe giving a little love to the to the Great White North, as I affectionately refer to it, where I'm sure right now it's uh, minus 30 degrees and snowing as usual, right? And uh, let's get Danny Devine. Danny, why don't you unmute and uh, let's let's hear from you. And I'm trying to remember, man, episode, I don't know, what, in the 60s, maybe, I'm thinking? We looked that up. Right? Yeah, early 60s, yeah, it was. Yeah, there so. you go. There you go. Yep, there it was, Officially, 62. in case anybody was counting, 229 days since I finished my work with Alan. Nobody's so. counting, but since you are, that's... Definitely uh, not. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so first of all... For, um, you were working in the in what EMT first responder world essentially, right? And uh, you know, up there in in Canada, and um, tell us if you would. I mean, I remember you worked a little bit. You were working in the Niagara area, but you also looked. Was it Newfoundland? I'm trying to remember. Um, yeah, so I started my paramedic career. I worked with Niagara EMS for a couple of years while I was in school, um, and then I went out to a small town in Newfoundland. So it was there that I ended up actually. Um, fleeing my career altogether. I literally ran away from everything and just failed. Didn't say anything to anybody. Um, By definition, the flight response. (laughs) But I just, I don't look back anymore. As much as it's a part of my history, it doesn't make me who I am. And I think that's been the most profound thing since working with Alan um, and completing my recovery. I don't dwell on things anymore. It's something that happens, but it doesn't have to dictate the rest of my life. And that was huge for me because you look down this ever narrowing tunnel at what your life is now expected to be because people tell you that there is no cure and there's no coming out of it. And you just have to get used to things like this and you might be able to cope better than the others, but 
this is it. That's the end of the line for you. And all of a sudden that narrow tunnel wasn't narrow anymore. And then there's no tunnel and now I'm actually living. And it brings me almost to tears every single time because it's happy tears. It's not the miserable end that my life was more or less going to be. Danny, I'm a, I'm a sucker for one-liners, all right? A sucker for one-liners, right? And so when you were doing the episode, you know, uh, I'm sh- I, I trust, I hope that you've listened to some things since and you've heard our intro because you're in it every single week, yeah. right? There's a Danny out there that's saying, man, I don't even know, you know, and this came from that episode that we did, you know, with you, episode 62, it was November of 2019. And it came from this episode where you basically were saying, man, I don't even know how to think about my, you know, my because now I have one, my future, right? I have one now. And I just think that that was such a powerful line for you. Hey, tell me, um, how did you and Alan connect in the first place? What was the, uh, remind the listeners of the story or for those who maybe who have uh, never heard that original episode, maybe you can just tell them in a nutshell how you guys connected. Yeah, absolutely. So my sister actually directed me to a weekend workshop that was titled Laughter, sorry, Life After PTSD. Um, it's a good name for a workshop. podcast, by the way. Sorry, Alan, write that down. That'd be a good name for a podcast. <laughs> um, yeah. So she just said, you know, come along. I don't really think you have anything to lose. I was already laughing at it because I read that PTSD was an illness that could be healed. And I was like, yeah, great. Kumbaya, let's do some yoga. Tell me what I haven't heard before. So I kind of just rolled my eyes, but I didn't want to offend my sister. So I went with her. Um, and then it changed my life. So I stumbled into, I met Alan and my sister actually since has become an NLP practitioner and she's opened her own practice because it's made such a difference in my life. <laughs> Alan, tell me about, uh, tell me about meeting this young lady. Tell me uh, what that was like for the very first time. Well, it was uh, the first time that we, we took the trauma workshop into a two and a half day Friday, Saturday, Sunday format. And so it was the inaugural one. And we were here at our training center at Inspired Outcomes. And, and Danny was sitting right there. I'm pointing down and to my right. She was sitting against the wall over to the right. And she sat there. And I, of course, I do, I do live demonstrations, right? And so Friday night uh, at 8 o'clock, I'm going to do a live demo. I'm, I'm going to sync it um, before everybody goes home. And I'm sort of looking out of the corner of my eye because I want Danny to come to the front of the room, right? <laughs> not a chance. Not a chance. So we get through Friday night. And then Saturday morning, I'm looking for a volunteer. And I'm looking out. the She sat in the same seat. And she's looking at, I'm looking out of the corner of my eye, looking for a volunteer. And not a chance. Danny's not in. <laughs> Sunday morning, though, Sunday morning when I started, I don't think I got the whole word volunteer out <laughs> up in the seat beside me. And, and we actually did the podcast with you, Jeff. That was uh, on a single clearing at the front of the room. That yeah, was, yeah. I didn't do a full breakthrough with her at that point. That was just a single clearing. And uh, the thing that bothered me so much in Danny's story is that as a, you know, she was traumatized at 22. I met her at 26. And because of the message from society, she had already given up. Mm. And, and that's just not fair. Mm. I, don't, I don't care if you, it, you know, if you're 15 or 16 or 22, that's just not fair. That the people, anybody who's saying that, we should have some sort of recourse on it. That's just not fair. And then between that and medication and isolation, it, it's, it's horrible what we do to people. It's wrong. And so, yeah, Dan, yeah Danny and I became friends and her sister Natasha is, um, a prac. She did do the workshop and she'll do pace next. She wants to be trauma focused NLP qualified. So yeah. Tell us about what's happening for you. You, you texted me and told me some of the things you're manifesting there. <laughs> Dan, Danny has an, oh. int- I, I get these wild clients. They all want to do things. Tell us about the van life and what you're manifesting. 
Alan lives for my dream almost as much as I do. So I'm happy to share about it. Um, it was something that actually, well, let me start at the beginning. We had only done a single clearing when I worked um, with you guys the first time. So when we recorded my podcast, I actually still had PTSD. Mm-hmm. Um, since can say obviously 229 days later <laughs> that I am completely recovered and I've gone on from then to um, look at my life with optimism and I have an outlook and want to live the van life so as Alan is very excited to share um, I'll be purchasing my own cargo van this fall and outfitting it so building it out on my own entirely to serve as my home and travel the world and I want to actually work as kind of a mental health advocate while I do my writing because I've always wanted to write. Um, so the the puzzle pieces are coming together and it's really interesting to see your life unfold in ways that you never would have expected because like you said, I had no life. I had, I had wrapped it up at 22. I was ready to be done with it all. And all of a sudden I have my whole life laid out before me and it's like, what can't I do? You know, I fixed my own brain bring it on <laughs> so Danny, yeah, Danny, these one-liners these, these one-liners are absolutely killing me right now these one-liners all right I fixed my own brain are you kidding me that's epic and it was almost a joke that Sunday morning when I stood up and said yeah I'll volunteer because it was like let's go show me like I really don't believe that this is gonna work but let's show everybody else like oh my gosh they're gonna be making fun of you but okay so tell me there's a Danny YouTube channel that's coming with van life all right I, I'm dead serious all right. I, I, I yeah. we need to see your adventures. You know why? Because yeah. I think you spoiled I, the surprise. Jeff. Well, there you go. But you know what you're doing? You're, you're, you're coming alive to obey the spirit that I think lives deep down in so many people that they're not, they're scared to obey. Right. And so they live vicariously through people like you. And that's why, that's why you're going to have millions of subscribers and give lots of shout outs to life after PTSD. Little, little old us, right. We'll get some shout outs on your channel, <laughs> <Always>. right? <laughs> it's so cool. Danny, any, uh, any word of encouragement that you might say to, uh, you know, what, what, what's it, give us another one liner or something that you might say for something that you're holding space for right now. <laughs> you know what? I just, more than anything, I would like to stress that it does get better. Yeah. You know, as many people will tell you that till they're blue in the face, it does it does there's light and it's worth looking for and i never could have in my wildest dreams fantasized that i would be doing the things that i will be doing this fall and next summer and five years from now it's i never even could have dreamt this it's gotten that good and i think that dramatic reflection looking back at how bad it was i almost ended it and i wouldn't have been here and all of the people that i will touch and impact and inspire is what helps me keep going because really that is the reason that we're all doing this together is because we believe how important it is and we know it will make a difference that it can. Danny, I ask the question of people a lot. Um, where would you be without blank in your life? And uh, I suspect that that someday real soon, and I know even already that your name probably shows up on a lot of lists. Right. And I go, <laughs> man, well, you know, and I said, and if, and, and if that isn't a message to the world that says that's why this work is so vitally important, because there was a, there was a, there was a time, right. Not too long ago where that possibility was sort of teetering on the edge, wasn't it? You know, for Dan. Yeah. And, uh, and oh, I yeah. just, I love that that's, that's not the case anymore. Hey, you're amazing. Thank you for sharing your story and coming back and just checking in with us. We so appreciate you. Thank you. For sure. Hey, Todd, Todd Millsaps. Come on. Come on, Todd. We got to talk to you, man. Come talk to us. 
when Alan was talking about volunteering. Yeah. All I get is Todd and how he volunteered, right? Like he just jumped right yeah. in there, right? I seem to remember him being voluntold by his wife. That's the way I remember it. You don't it, know, Todd. Todd was definitely voluntold. Sure, I was voluntold. That's, that's Todd, Todd, you're you're um you're super special for me because quite frankly, if I'm getting my timeline right, you know, Todd was actually cleared before there was ever the first life after PTSD episode even recorded. So just crazy because I think it was you know Todd, you would have been. I mean, it was you and we had a we had James who was a Marine veteran that was uh, cleared a couple of days earlier. You know that we all saw in that room, and I, you know, I, I told people on starting this show and everything. I was doing media work with Carrie. I work with marriages and everything. But she hires me and says, "Hey, I need to, I need to capture this training. I need to get some video recording some of these demos and some of this info." And so, frankly, I had the worst attitude about it. Carrie. Come on, this is going to be like you know watching grass grow. I don't want to come to this thing, you know. You know, so I show up, right? And by Saturday, I'm getting to meet guys like you who get, you know, voluntold slash thrown under the bus by his wife. But, you know, it was such a good thing. And you get up there. And I remember, Todd, I remember seeing you and I'm going, man, if this guy can get cleared, because I looked at you and right from the start just knew that, man, that's a guy you can trust. And that's a guy that's not going to fake, the, fake this process. Okay, he's going to go through this. And if this is real, if this is legitimate, we're going to see right now. This is the defining moment. And, uh, and I think, I think Mr. Kenerva did a little wrangling. I think he did some, some, uh, he, he rode the bull that day. He had to do some ninja skills with you a couple of times to pull you out of that emotional state that you were starting to get into. But man, he got you, you know, and got you cleared. And I saw this, this gentle giant awake, this smiling face when it was all said and done. And I'm going, man, there's something different about that guy. And then we got to talk to you. What, you know, I don't know how long it was just maybe a few weeks later and did a podcast finally with you guys. Um, tell the, uh, the audience, if you would, uh, first of all, your story. Well, then they and, went up. Then they went up to Canada. Well, that's true. Yeah, went up and trained for sure. Todd, tell the audience if you would. Tell them your story and uh, you know uh, just the elevator pitch version, and then we'll get into that training and what happened with you and Alan there. Just before Todd goes, I, I the organization I was working with was afraid that something would happen while I was at the front of the room doing live demos. They're absolutely afraid that somebody would have a meltdown and we couldn't handle it. And, uh, and I, I just told him we'd come from a, a training in, in early October in Albuquerque and uh, it went just perfectly. And I said, look, it doesn't matter if we're teaching how to do this trauma intervention and we're telling people we can keep them safe, then it doesn't matter what happens at the front of the room. If I can't keep them safe, I can't make that claim anymore. So you need to be careful what you ask for, because I remember when Todd came to the front of the room and, 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 and uh, we, we had a full meltdown, and a full, full meltdown, and we handled it. And, and after, the, after the session, I stepped outside into the sun and I said, so, okay, I, 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 I boasted and you threw me the fastball, but we, we hit the fastball. And then two months later, I got another fastball and you're like this, Sean, the guy at the front of the room, 6'3", 225-pound Marine, had a complete emotional breakdown in front of the room. Two people who have had complete emotional breakdowns on the front of me. How tall are you, Todd? Six foot. Oh, you're taller than that. <laughs> no, six. Yeah, like six foot, six one. Yeah, well, you looked a lot bigger when you were upset at the when, front When of the he room. puts his country boots on, I think he's got a couple more inches on him. That's what I'm yeah, going with. Yeah. yeah. There you <laughs> go. So, so I remember Todd's session just – like it's right here, right now, because it was fun. You're right. It, it, uh, we're on. And Todd, you did get wrangled to come to the front of the room, and I really appreciate that you stepped up. Well, I'm glad I got wrangled and come to the front of the room. You know, we came down just to 
just to sit in and, and check it out. So when uh, me and my wife, Mary, got there, I hadn't seen a demonstration, you know. We'd just come and kind of been hanging out. And uh, so I hadn't really seen anything, just listening and learning and observing. And then uh, I think it's cause of weather. Uh, someone was supposed to come in. And, I, and if I remember right, it was, I think the weather kept them from flying in. So it's like after a break, hey, you mind going up? And I'm like, well, you know, I don't like crowds. I don't like people. So my wife throwed me under the bus. And of course, I'm not going to turn it down to help the cause, you know. So uh, what she didn't realize was, is, you know, I'd ready to check out. So uh, it was a blessing that it all worked out. You know, we all come together and I was there. And, I, you know, I'm glad I got thrown under the bus because it changed my life. You know, we ended up going to Canada and later on and, and uh, trained in NLP. And, uh, you know, my wife's went on to be RTM trained, uh, same with Zeke Vanderpool. And, and, you know, going on with Angel Wing, we're just moving forward and trying to pay it back forward. And, uh, you know, I'm happier than I've ever been. Uh, I'm stronger than I ever been and I got my mind back and I'm clear and happy. So, I mean, thank you all. Talk about suffering in silence, right? Exactly. You know, when, when you, when you meet Todd, you would have never thought that he was thinking about checking out, but there's so many people walking around thinking about, I don't want to do this anymore. Alan, my first impression of Todd was just, uh, you know, the, just, just one of those kind of man's man, just do the right thing, get the job, you know, just, grit it out, get it done kind of guys. And, you know, to even hear you say that Todd just now and knowing that that's, that's, you know, how deep the darkness was, I guess, if you will, is just so, so beautiful to see you now. Cause I see a guy that's just so relaxed, you know, he's just, uh, just so enjoying and loving life. Right. You know, and that's, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, love life. <laughs> which is so cool. Carrie, what do you think of this guy now? Well, the truth, the, if the real truth is told, uh, is Mary there? Because Mary is really the one that was supposed to go that day. Remember that? And then Mary said, oh, I, I just can't do I it. Do. Title, title, I think Todd will do it. <laughs> right, Mary? Mary, you threw him voice. under the bus? Is that what That's happened? That's the truth. Man, well, we knew that, but I didn't know you were supposed to go. Yeah. I didn't know he was the substitute for you. Um, Carrie came over and asked me to be a demo. Um, and I said, uh, no, I can't do that. I said, but Todd can. And so that's how Todd got nominated. And then I went up to Todd and I said, Todd, you're going to be a, a demo. And he said, what? He said, oh, okay. And he, he did go up. And I mean, I was like, I was, I felt kind of bad because I did throw him under the bus. Cause I was kind of like, no, I'm too bad. I'm too badly damaged to go up there. And let anybody see me. I said, so I, you know, I throwed him up there and I didn't realize that all the years that we'd been together, that I worried about my pain and all the, trauma that I have sustained over the years and I never really saw his so it was a healing moment for both of us because I, I actually became very it was it was hard to watch from the back of the room when um he went into a full visceral reaction in front of the room I, I was I felt like I needed to go you know I, I was just very difficult I felt like I needed to protect him but I'm so glad it happened because I, I did not realize that he had thought of suicide the next day, you know, so when we do live demos, if the course is still going on the next day, I, I always bring the live demo person up to the front of the room and say, how did you sleep? Because Sean, you know this, that after you have a clearing, you actually sleep for the first time in eight, 10, 12 years. So 
So, so Todd and Mary came to the front of the room and at the front of the room, they'd gone out for dinner and then a little shopping. And Mary at the front of the room says, I, I couldn't believe Todd. He was so calm. She said, and so we're out shopping and I, and I pushed his buttons because, you know, as a wife, you know how to push your husband, right? And so she actually had him out trying to trigger him. It was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> that is so true. That is so true. Because I got to have why, you know. You keep telling well, me. I remember, Todd, I remember when they were talking about when, when, you know, Alan, after he does the training, he unpacks what just happened. And so I remember they were, quote unquote, unpacking what Alan had just done. And so I thought, well, we can't leave this poor guy out there. You know, he just, he was just unpacked and they're talking about what happened. And so I remember walking out there and you and I were pacing in the hallway. You were pacing, do you remember this Todd? And you said, I don't know what just happened, but I can talk about this. I can talk about my dad. I can talk about what happened. And I have never talked about this. I couldn't even think about it before. And now I can, I can think about the good things about my dad and, and, and the good memories. And I just, wow. And I just remember, I remember just, just walking with you and thinking, this is so amazing. I just. My dad was a radio announcer. He could talk to millions of people, get on stage. You know, I don't like crowds. You know, I try to avoid all that. But ever since then, you know, I mean, done the podcast a couple of times. And, uh, you know, I, I can speak in front of crowds. and. Oh, my God, you can't get him to shut up, y'all. I can't shut up now. So, <laughs> you know, so, uh, yeah, it changed my life, you know, and. And uh, if there's anybody out there who uh, just don't give up and, and give it a try because it's amazing and, uh, you know, you don't have to relive nothing. You know, that's the, that's the great thing. You don't have to relive. You just have to trust it and try it. You know, I can't hardly describe it. It just uh, – but it will change you. Todd, that's incredible. That's incredible. And we're, we're so grateful for you guys. I know that you guys are doing some incredible work up in the Carolinas in that area. And so appreciative of, uh, you being a part of, uh, a part of the team, a part of the journey, man. And so we wish you the best. I, I want to jump in on that. You don't have to tell your story over because Todd was at a training where the organization we were training for encouraged, in fact, in it, required the people doing the intervention to tell their story at the beginning to touch the trauma and then tell it at the end as proof that they were no longer traumatized. You can do the whole technique now without ever telling your story. You can do it completely content-free and have a hundred percent. You don't ever have to tell the story at all. So that, I think for everybody who was in those early trainings, it, we've evolved. We've, we've evolved to a point where it's absolutely content-free now. And uh, you, if you don't have to tell your story, you don't have to tell it. And, and I always use the example, I, I worked with a young woman, uh, Israeli, who was part of the Israeli Defense Force. And as a young woman, she had something horrific happen to her. Now let your imagination run wild. Whatever happened, I cleared her trauma. I didn't know the time of day, man, woman, was it battle? Was it something sexual happened to her? I never knew a thing cleared her trauma. She slept through the night ever since. She's PTSD free. I never knew a detail. I don't know a detail of what happened to her. That's some sort of gift from the universe when yep. we get an intervention that you can do that with. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That's a brilliant point because not only not only does it keep them trauma free, but it keeps a clinician trauma free as well, doesn't it? Or a coach and everything. It's just a brilliant idea. Yeah, good word. 
All right. Well, guys, I think that's going to put a wrap on part one of our 100th episode celebration. Hey, next week, you're going to hear from Ali Sullivan from uh, episodes 24 and 27. She'll be calling in from Parkland, Florida. Uh, Luke Baker from episode 52 calling in from Ontario. And finally, Dakota episode 68 calling in from the Bahamas. It's uh, it's going to be an awesome ride. We're so appreciative of uh, you guys, the listeners, allowing us to do this show and really supporting us in the process of doing it. Hey, make sure you subscribe and you're getting notifications when new episodes drop. We drop them every single Monday. Share this with somebody that needs to hear it, and we will catch you next week on Life After PTSD. To learn more about our work, visit lifeafterptsd.org. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to support the show, give us a five-star review and share it with your tribe. Become a patron at patreon.com slash lifeafterptsd. Life After PTSD is produced by Jeff McLaughlin. For production inquiries or to sponsor the show, email info at lifeafterptsd.org.